As uh, I told several people, it's always interesting to come up and preach immediately after you've had a meeting, especially when you've had such great men as B.J. Clark and Scott Kane, and we're incredibly thankful for the good work that they did. I'm going to try to raise this a little bit, that way we can be heard. So that's well, this morning what we're going to be covering is a subject that was requested, and as I mentioned to all of you, I enjoy getting requests from you all so I can look through and try to come up with what we can do to address some questions that you might have or some sermon topics you might want addressed. It's a useful tool for you as well as for me, A, because maybe you're thinking about things I wouldn't think to do necessarily. And otherwise, when you're offering these questions or these suggestions, those are things that pertain to you and pertain to your own lives. And maybe you have some questions you want answered in a public setting. And so definitely if you have any questions or if you have any sermon topics you would like addressed, be sure to give those to me or to one of the elders and we'll be sure to try to put that into the rotation. But this morning we had a very interesting request, an interesting subject that was brought up. And when I first got the, the message about it, I was a little bit confused at first until I had to go research it. But the subject this morning that we're looking at is going to be the religion of nuns. The religion of nuns. Now, again, when I heard that, I said, okay, what on earth are we talking about here? But it really was a fascinating study. An interesting subject to go into to look at what this specific religion is because it's not one that you might think of. In America, there's a growing group, a group of people who are really overtaking many aspects of society and, in fact, taking over many leadership roles within the church. And it's this exact group. You might have heard it described this way. Well, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Well, I believe in God, but I don't agree with the church. Oh, I love what the Bible says. I love what God says. But you know what? Those are just good guidelines to live in life. The reality is this group is a collection of so many philosophies. So many religious identities, so many people who are claiming to try to follow after God, but ignoring his own rule book. Ignoring what he had to say. So this morning what we're going to do is it's going to be two simple points. We're going to be defining the religion of nuns, and then we're going to be discussing why it's a problem. So this morning let's start off with defining what this group is. Is. What is the religion of nuns? As we mentioned, it's those who are spiritual without being affiliated with a religion. This group really encompasses a lot of different identities. In fact, according to Pew Research, this group can also include agnostics, atheists, those who are religiously disenfranchised. Man, that's a lot of words to try to fit in this identity of who these people are. Really, the idea behind it is not one that's new. In fact, we can find this as far back as the Old Testament. And you say, well, okay, if we're talking about Malachi, Josh, you're messing up here because those people were saying they were worshiping God, but they just weren't doing it with the right attitude. Is that different than what we just discussed? You see, the reality is when we try to worship God based on our own terms and our own ideas, friends, we have ignored that He's in charge. We've ignored what he had to say. Instead, we have made ourselves to be the rule book. We have made ourselves to be God. If we go back to the book of Malachi, what do we read in reference to this group of people? If you would, please turn to Malachi chapter 1. That's Malachi chapter 1. 
Let's start in verse 6. Here, the book of Malachi is not one we often go to, but it really is a fascinating book to study in reference to how we treat God and how God's people have treated Him throughout the years. But starting in verse 6, let's notice what he says. He says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, have, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon mine altar. You, but you say, how have we polluted you? But you say that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? What's God saying here? What is God saying through the prophet Malachi to his own priests? Notice that statement there. These are the priests, the religious leaders, the ones who are preachers, leaders, helping the people to follow after God. But what does he say? You have not shown me honor. You have not loved me. You show me no respect. You could not even offer what you offer to Almighty God to your physical earthly leaders and them accept it. Friends, we have many in the religious world today who claim that they can get to God on their own terms. That they can follow after God purely by wanting to be a good person. Friends, God has never said that that was the case. Now that seems cruel, Josh. Why would you say that about God? God is love and God wants us to come to Him. Surely if I'm trying to be a good person, I can get to Him. Friends, it does not matter how kind a person we are if we do not follow the plan of escape. If I'm on a ship and the ship is sinking and the, the ship, the crew of the ship are telling me to get into a lifeboat or you will not be saved. And I say, well, I'm a good person, so obviously I'm not going to die in this shipwreck. Is that going to work out? No. It can't work out. Because there is a path that one has to follow in order to escape where we are in this world. And God has offered it to us willingly. He has offered it to us Freely, He made sacrifices that few of us would ever dare to make so that we could have a chance to be with Him. So why is this so popular? Why is this such a large group? In fact, according to Pew Research, it's about 22% of the American population that holds to this. And even those who claim to be in religion itself and a part of religion, we have a whole separate group of them about... Forty-something percent of them claim to be religious but not spiritual. So what's going on here? Why is there so much confusion in reference to God? Friends, it's because people are not reading the book. It is because people are trying to come up with their own ideas and find a better way to be godly than what God said. That's the position that we've come to in this country. But that's not new. That's not something that just popped up overnight. It's not something that's uniquely American. One of the most ironic things about American society, American history, American life is that we think that everything good or bad is our fault. <laughs> Friends, this came up a long, long time ago. 
In fact, it started in Genesis chapter 3 of people claiming that they could be friends with God but doing their own thing. When we look at the Bible, when we look at God Himself, when we look at His church, what is our attitude towards it? Friends, this movement is so large because bitterness is an easier path than faithfulness. People have seen God's people be hypocrites before. People have seen God's people not following the book. People have seen religious organizations across this globe claiming to follow God but preaching different gospels. And they are sick of it. But the reality is, we should be too. Because if we're not following after the Word of God, if we're not following after what God said, we cannot claim His name. The religion of nuns. People who are saying, I'm just going to follow after God because no religious organization has the full gospel. That's a doozy to listen to. But the reality is, if you try all the, what is it now, probably 2,000, 3,000 denominations in America, if you've tried all of them, you're going to find problems. Even if you go to many congregations of the Church of Christ, you're going to find issues with their leadership, issues with their teaching. So if you're just claiming, I'm trying to follow after God, but I'm trying to find out what the actual path is, it makes sense why there would be confusion. It makes sense why there would be a problem with many people. But friends, we have the whole counsel of God. We have His Word. We have His Bible. We have everything that we need to show a good and loving God to the world, but also a just God to the world. Are we showing it? This group of people has been misguided, has been left behind. And they're trying to find all these other ideas in order to fill the gap. But again, it's not new. I'm reminded of the book of Colossians in Colossians chapter 2, around verse 8, where Paul was writing to the church in Colossae and he was talking about some of these people. Some of this idea where they're trying to fill all these philosophies. He's saying not to be carried away by these philosophies. Not to be confused. In fact, let's go through that book, Colossians specifically, specifically in verse 2, verse 8. Chapter 2, verse 8 of the book of Colossians. Actually, let's start in verse 6 here. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul is warning about this idea, warning about people who are going to lead you aside into philosophies. A few, I guess it was probably a month or so ago, we were studying in Bible class about how there were many denominations in the first century people who were leading others astray as far back as the beginning of the church. And one of the main groups that was doing this was taking the best of every religion in their own minds. They were saying, well, you know, the Greeks did this part pretty good and their, their religious structure. You know, the Romans had a pretty good idea here. Hey, the Jews had a great idea here. 
Friends, if we take the best parts of every human religion, do you know what we're going to come up with? More problems. More problems. Why do you say that, Josh? Because we're people. Because people make mistakes. Because people can corrupt what God has given as holy good. There are many who do not want to follow after what God said. They want God. They want the benefits. They want the the glory that God offers for them, but they don't want to obey Him. Now that doesn't make a lot of sense. That doesn't really follow for us. But that's how most of the religious world looks at God. They think, well, God knows my heart. God knows that I love Him. God knows that I care about Him. So He's going to be okay with what I offer Him. Tell that to the priest in Malachi. Tell that to God's people all throughout the Old Testament when they would reject Him, but still be making sacrifices. Friends, the reality is this. Our attitude is not alone. Our attitude alone is not enough to save us. Our churches are not alone able to save us. It is only by obedience to the word of God and faithfulness to him that we can have access to the salvation that he so freely offers us. Does that sound like it's that hard? It's not necessarily an easy life to live as a Christian. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He warned them from the beginning, I come not to bring peace but a sword. But this particular mindset has influenced and infiltrated so many of God's people. Whether it be in a whole sense where they're trying to change everything and say that everything that we have done has been wrong, or whether it be as simple as being fed up with our brothers and sisters. This idea permeates so much of our world. Let's look in Luke chapter 6. That's Luke chapter 6. We're going to be starting in verse 46. It's a passage that many of us are probably familiar with, but it bears repeating in this context. Jesus speaking here says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. 
Now, that's the classic VBS song, right? You know, the wise man built his house upon a rock. But what's Jesus talking about there? He says, why are you calling me Lord and not doing what I asked you to do? Friends, if I call God Himself my Lord, my God, my Father, my King, and I do not do what He asks me, I do not hold Him as any of those titles. Because a son has respect for his father. A servant has respect for his king. And a worshiper has respect for his God. Who am I? Who am I in relation to God if I'm willing to stand before Him, the one who spoke light into existence, who breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life to tell Him, I know better? (coughs) This may have been an idea that none of us have ever heard the terminology to, but all of us have witnessed. All of us have seen pieces of this one way or another. It takes preparation. It takes warning to deal with these things. So we've heard what it is. We've defined what this is, but now let's deal with what the problem is. How can I deal with this? How can I deal with this idea that seems to be so prevalent in America? That's so prevalent in our own backyard? We first of all have to identify that one cannot have Christ without obedience. It's as simple as that. Let's look at John chapter 14. That's John chapter 14. Starting verse 21, he says, Whosoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, where many come into an issue here is they say, oh, so you're saying that God is not unconditionally loving because he said that it's only if you obey me. So it's like, do what I say or I won't love you. And they try to use that terminology. To that, I ask a question. If I come up to a person and I'm trying to have a relationship with them, And I ask them, I want you to do X or Y. And they say, I will not do anything you ask me. Because you're supposed to love me unconditionally. How how well is that going to work out? How well is that going to function as a household? Friends, many people in the world are wanting to put God in a toxic relationship with us. (laughs) We say, God, I want to do whatever I want to do. Live however I want to live. I want to do all the things that you have said I shouldn't do. In fact, according to the scriptures, you call spiritual adultery. But you're still going to love me just the same. And if you don't, you're not a good God. Does that sound like what God has offered? Does that sound like what a Christian is supposed to be? Friends, the world has taken that terminology of Christian 
and twisted it to its own destruction. So how do we do this? How, how do I follow after God? How do I avoid being like this? See, the church was planned from the beginning, and He's offered us a plan, a format, an identity that we can follow. <clears throat> if we go back to the Old Testament, we see the prophecies of what was going to take place with the church. There are many today who want to claim that the church was just a backup plan, that it was not the real plan. You see, God wanted to build His kingdom, but... The Jews surprised him, and they didn't follow after him, so he had, to, he had to pull an audible, he had to build a church. Friends, that is probably one of the most blasphemous statements a person can make about Almighty God. Because if that's the case, God is not omniscient because he couldn't build his kingdom when he wanted to. If that's the case, God is not omnipresent... God is above all. God has all power. God has all knowledge. We have got to stop trying to humanize God and start trying to make man more like Him. Because the world has adjusted too much. The world has corrupted too much. Let's not let it happen here. Let's not let it happen among our own people. Among the people who want to follow after God. See, God described this from the beginning though. He laid it out before us, all this plan that was going to take place, that the church was going to come. And in Acts chapter 2, it came. Just like He said it would. The whole format... I love going through the book of Acts and specifically the book of Luke as well because you can tie it together so perfectly. In the teenage class on Sunday mornings, that's what we're covering is the book of Acts. And if you look at how it starts, how does it happen? Acts chapter 1, verse 1. These former treaties have I written to the O Theophilus of the things that Jesus began both to do and teach. What was that former treatise? The book of Luke. One whole story put together. He's laying it out for this man, Theophilus, so that he can see Christ came just as was prophesied. He lived just as he was prophesied to live. He died just like what was promised. And part two, the church came just like the prophet said it would. He laid it all out for us. But when we get all the way to the book of Ephesians we see that God had a group of people planned from the very beginning. The church. His people. Not those who want to be spiritual but not affiliated. Not those who want to be freelance Christians. But those who are committed to the Word of God. Those who are committed to following after what He has laid out. See, the Word of God cannot be separated from Him. John chapter 1, what does it say? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Jesus, from the very beginning, was God. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Things don't just change because it's convenient. 
God doesn't have to change because culture's a little different today. <clears throat> Do you think that the world looked a little bit different from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the book of Matthew? Do you not think that the world changed a little bit from the book of Matthew to the book of Revelation? Do you not think that the book or the world changed from Revelation till today? But what was the consistent factor? God never changed. You know why culture is constantly changing? Because a group of people find something wrong with that culture, they destroy that culture and replace it with a new one. And then guess what? It happens again. And guess what? It happens again. Why? Because we have infinite ways of messing up. We have infinite ways of making mistakes, but God hasn't made one. So why do I think I can do better? Why does this have to be such a big deal to us? You say, well, Josh, I'm sure many of us don't fall into this trap. Many of us are not a part of this group. So, so why bring it up? Why is it so important that we deal with this? Because many of these people started with one simple problem. They didn't respect the authority of God. That's all it is. That's the only way that this starts. Is by understanding, if I understand that this is the Word of God, if I understand that what God said is true, no one's going to change my mind on that. No one's going to be able to wrench me out of His hand. In the Garden of Eden, when the serpent came to the woman, did he come and berate God? A little bit. He says he doesn't want you to have that because he knows you'll be like God's. One little seed of doubt. Adam literally was able to walk with God, talk with God, had a personal relationship with God. He knew Him. But Satan understood one little bit of doubt can bring the whole foundation crashing down. You say, well, we don't have a serpent literally coming whisper, whisper in our ear today. Yes, but we do have a lot of backbiting Christians. We have a lot of people that start whispering in someone's ear. We are very fortunate to have a congregation like we have here. It's a wonderful thing. But just as it can take just one person standing up for the truth to make a difference, it can take one person corrupting it to bring it all crashing down. What will our choice be? We have an enemy we've identified. Not in the sense I, we want to go out and start causing problems and attacking people and, you know, raising up a flag, starting a crusade. No. Remember in the book of Ephesians where Paul wrote that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Friends, we have an enemy who is the same from the beginning. He hasn't had to change his tactics yet because they keep working. But it's up to you and it's up to me to make sure that I stay the course. To make sure that my life is going to be focused on Him and I'm not going to fall into the trap of trying to come up with a better way of doing things. Saying that I know better than God. Friends, one of the most dangerous statements we can make is I know God said but. You can fill in the blank with anything else. So what has He told you and me? He's told us exactly what He wants of us. He wants people who are faithful to Him. He wants people who are committed to learning His Word. He wants people who are committed to helping souls know their need for Him. Is that you this morning? Is that me this morning? I cannot look out in this crowd and identify exactly who's doing right or wrong. That's for you to know. All I can do is offer you an opportunity. Offer an opportunity for you to make your life right with God this very morning. Maybe you're not a member of His church. Maybe you've heard a lot of these things and this is maybe where your mind is. We'd be happy to sit down and talk with you so you can understand exactly what God wants for you. Not part of it, not some of it, but exactly what God has asked. He made that plan so simple for you and for me because He wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We must hear the Word. I mean, how can we understand something? How can we obey something we haven't heard? And after hearing it, if we believe it to be true, we'd be willing to repent of all of our past sins. To have that change of mind which says, I know I've been doing wrong. I know I've been following after the wrong God and I'm changing my path. And based upon that repentance, I'm willing to confess. I've changed my mind and I'm willing to say, yes, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I want to follow Him. And based upon that confession, we will be happy to baptize you into Christ this very morning, burying that old man of sin, raised to walk in newness of life, leaving all that shame, that guilt, that fear behind so that you can be a new man, a new woman in Christ, committed to Him. But maybe this morning you are a member of the Lord's church. Maybe many years ago you became a member of the Lord's church, and over the years you saw the issues that mankind can bring into the church. And maybe that allowed you to become bitter. Maybe that allowed you to drag yourself away from God and say, well, if that's His people, I want no part of it. Friends, He wants you back this very morning. No one in this auditorium is going to claim to be a perfect person. We all have our mistakes, we all have our flaws, but there's one thing I can guarantee you. We all want to do better. We all want to do what's right. And you can too this very morning. If you have any need, anything that is holding you back from God, anything that is making you worry or have concerns, there's no need to walk out these doors unsure. If you have any need, please come. These front rows are prepared for you. And we'll be willing to receive you and be able to pray for you and help you in any way. If you have any need, please come as together we stand as we sing.